0: Father, we give this morning back to you and we ask that the next few minutes you would use your word to speak something into each of our hearts that we need to hear. So we open our hearts to receive your word in Jesus name. Amen. Today we're going to be looking at a story from John chapter 4. We're going to be reading several verses. We're going to break it up as I work my way through the, the points that I want to make. But I want to share four obstacles with you today. And really, these four obstacles are obstacles to the mission that Jesus has in our lives. How many of you know Jesus has a mission in our lives? Some of us think, well, Jesus' mission is to get me saved. That's only the beginning of the mission. He has a mission to be salvation throughout our lives and throughout eternity. Jesus has a mission in our lives. And if we back up just one chapter, in John chapter 3, you know, each of John's chapters paints a picture of Jesus... In John chapter 3, we have the story of Jesus and Nicodemus and those famous verses from verse 3 where Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. And then you get down later on in the story, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus in John 3 is declaring his mission to the world and his mission in our lives. And then we go into John chapter 4, where we're going to be reading today. And John chapter 4 gives us another story that continues to paint the picture of the mission of Jesus. And his mission is to change our lives. So let me set this story up for you to save time today. We find that Jesus has been ministering. He is now in an area called Judea, and he's going to go to an area called Galilee. But between Judea and Galilee, where he ministers to his people, the Jewish people, between those areas, there's an area called Samaria. The Jews and the Samaritans don't like each other. I'm not going to go into all the background. It doesn't matter at the moment. But they don't like each other. They don't deal with each other except for when they have to. They don't welcome each other into their own territories. They could distinguish themselves from each other in those days. But Jesus needed to go through Samaria to get to Galilee. He could have gone around, but it was a long distance. But it's interesting because Scripture says in John chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Now, he needed to go because it was the most direct and the fastest route, and Jesus wasn't about wasting time. But not only that, Jesus needed to go through Samaria because there were people's lives that needed to be touched, beginning with one specific life. Jesus was on a mission, he needed to go where he was unwanted, but not unneeded. So he comes to this city in Samaria, the area of Samaria. It's called Sychar. He goes to this well outside of town and he sits down and waits as his disciples go into town to get food for the group. Jesus is there all alone at the well. And in the middle of the day, about noontime, when all the people of the city have already come out in the early morning cool and drawn their water from this well, with everybody else gone, along comes a woman probably looking for seclusion, wanting to be by herself, not wanting to deal with people. And she comes to the well to draw water. And Jesus, and characteristically of people in that day, Jews and Samaritan, Jesus speaks to the Samaritan woman and says, give me some water to drink. Middle of the day, heat of the day, Jesus is on a mission But here's this woman who's also on a mission. She's there to get physical water. And as their conversation unfolds, this woman has four obstacles in her heart towards Jesus' mission in her life. And one of the things I've learned through the years, in some ways, all of us have been the woman at the well. All of us had to learn how to open up our hearts to receive what Jesus had for our lives. And as we look at these four obstacles in her life, I think these same obstacles are obstacles we deal with today. So let's get started. Verse number nine, skip down there if you would. John chapter four, verse nine. Then the woman of Samaria said to Jesus, how is it that you being a Jew would ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans? Now Jesus asked for something very simple. Would you just give me a drink of water? And immediately, this first obstacle jumps up in this woman's heart. And she says, what do you mean you asking me for water? I mean, it's a simple request. But she looks at Jesus, and she has this obstacle in her heart. And she says, you know what? My people don't deal with your people. You shouldn't even be speaking to me. We don't like each other. So why don't you just be quiet and leave me alone? The first obstacle... That Jesus had to overcome in her life was prejudging. Prejudging, or if you will, prejudices. Prejudice is prejudging. And there are all kinds of prejudgments that happen in people's lives. You know, I, I heard it said a few years ago that when you first meet someone with, within two or three seconds, you already have an attitude about that person. That person makes an impression on you quickly. And within two or three seconds, you've already decided, I like them, I don't like them, or I'm not sure about them. It's especially true within laws. Isn't it, isn't it true? I like you, I don't like you. I'm not, Now, Pastor Nick didn't ask me to say that today. I'll make sure he doesn't get in any trouble here. But, but let me make this clear today. All of us have prejudgings, prejudgments, prejudices, in our hearts, in our lives. We meet someone and immediately before we know them, we've already determined whether or not we're going to like them. This woman looked at Jesus and said, leave me alone. I, I've already prejudged. I don't have any room for you in my life. The sad thing was she didn't know who she was talking to. And her prejudging closed her heart to God's help. For her life and it became an obstacle that jesus was going to have to overcome So let me ask you a question today why do we prejudge people based on their age their color their clothing their hair their tattoos what's quiet here this morning i like this that means you're either offended or you're listening. Either one is fine in this message this morning. <laughs> Why is it we carry these prejudgments about people based on how they first approach us and how we see them? Why do we color our perception of people based on their appearance? Why do we have so many preconceived ideas that sometimes before we even have a chance to meet a minister or a friend or a person that God sends into our lives, we've already got a wall, an obstacle up that says, I don't want your input. Now, please hear me. I know there are some people in life you don't need their input, okay? I get that. I know all about that. We all face walls. But isn't it true that sometimes God sends people in our lives and before we give them a chance to give of Jesus to us, we've got a wall up that just says, no way, no way. I promise you, there are some tough men in this house. How many tough men do we have in the house? Go on, it's okay to admit it. Oh, Mike, you're not tough. Come on. You're the sweetest guy I've ever met. How many tough guys do we have here? It's not easy to impress you. I guarantee you, there were guys sitting out there. When Megan began to play a harp, it was like, oh, my Jesus, no, not a harp. A prejudgment. And then you sit there, and the tears begin to run down your face, and you realize, well, this isn't so bad after all. Do so we have these prejudgments. We have these prejudgments. And sometimes... Our prejudgments interfere with what God's trying to do. You know, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Timothy, don't let people look down on you because you're a young guy. Don't, Don't let people look down on you. Stay with the mission. God will open people's hearts. There's a story in the Old Testament about a guy named Naaman. I won't take much time with this. But Naaman was an army leader in Syria, I believe it was. And Naaman got leprosy. And a slave girl in his household who was from Israel said, hey, there's a prophet in Israel. If you go see the prophet, he'll heal you. So Naaman goes through the king of Israel and says, hey, I'm coming to see this prophet because this girl said he'll heal me. So he goes there, and when the, when the prophet hears he's coming, he turns to his servant and says, go out and meet this guy and tell him just go dip in the muddy Jordan River seven times and he'll be a well. He'll be cleansed. And Naaman hears this, and he gets all angry and says, I'm not going to do that. And his very words were, I thought, I thought the prophet would come out. He would honor me because of who I am. And he would wave his hands over me and go through all this stuff and honor me. But he doesn't even honor me. I'm not going to listen to him. And finally, somebody said, Naaman, think about it. It's pretty simple to go back to that muddy water and dip seven times. If it doesn't work, fine. All it costs you was seven dips in the water. But if it works, you'll be healed. And finally Naaman gave in and he went and dipped seven times. And when he came up the seventh time, his leprosy was gone and he was totally cleansed. And I think sometimes we get this thing of, well, I think this is how God's going to work in my life. God's going to send this guy with a suit and a tie, and it's probably going to be an Italian suit and a really nice tie. He's going to come, and he's going to look at me and grin and say, God's got wonderful plans for you. And then he's going to tell me, and all of a sudden, pennies are going to start falling out of heaven, and stuff's going to be there. We get these preconceived ideas, and what it does, it closes off our heart to the fact that Jesus may meet you in the middle of the day when you're totally not expecting it, and he may show up and ask you to give something to him. That's good preaching. I like this. (laughs) Hebrews 13, 2 says, don't forget to entertain strangers. Because some people, by doing so, have unwittingly entertained angels. (laughs) Can I I tell you, your, your conception and your idea of what an angel looks like may not be what an angel really looks like. So keep your heart open. Don't prejudge messengers of God. Number two, pick it up at verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would be giving you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you then or where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock see I think the second great obstacle we deal with and the woman at the well dealt with it was her misunderstanding of the difference between the natural and the spiritual boy do we struggle with this we want natural blessing from God but sometimes God wants to do something spiritual in our lives before he does something natural see John wrote it and said I wish above all things that you'd prosper and be in health as your soul prospers, spiritual things come first. And this woman was consumed with her own life and what was going on. She's consumed with the, mo- with the moment. She's on a mission. She goes outside of town. She goes in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day. She goes to draw water. And all of a sudden, this guy interrupts her day. She's consumed with the natural and doesn't even sense who she's talking to. You see, her want overpowered the need in her life. Sometimes we want things so badly that we make poor choices trying to grab it ourselves. And we miss what Jesus is trying to do in us. Look at verse 13. Let's continue here. Jesus answered and said to her whoever drinks of this water will thirst again but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life and the woman said to her sir give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw notice what she's saying. She's basically saying, I am tired of coming out here in the heat of the day and drawing water to avoid people. Would you please give me water so that I will never have to come back here and draw again? She's still focused on the wrong things. She was concerned with her immediate physical need, but Jesus was concerned with her spiritual need. The water of God that brings eternal life. I think sometimes you and I, well, you know what? Grammatically, that's correct, but let me say it for emphasis sake. Sometimes I and you get so concerned with ourselves that we miss some things that God's trying to do. Have you ever been in a season of need and hurt when all you could see was your hurt and your need? Megan sang about that this morning. She talked about it. In those seasons of pain, all we can see is me, 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 me. I need, I need, I need. And sometimes we get so consumed with what we want that we're not even open to what God's trying to put in our lives. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. Jesus is teaching there. He's talking about prayer. He makes a statement. He says, the Father knows what you have need of, even before you ask. Now, I, I want to I use this verse for just a moment to show you something. One of the reasons people don't pray and talk to God is because they have prayed before and they didn't get the answer they wanted. Come on, smile at me. We're, we're not the shouting church, but give me a bobblehead this morning, okay? I prayed, I asked, this is what I wanted, I didn't get it, so what's the use of asking? Because he doesn't give me what we want. It's interesting That the words there that Jesus used, he said, the Father knows what you have need of before you ask. But yet so much of our prayer time is consumed with what I I want. Does anybody in the house have some wants this morning? Wouldn't you love it? Wouldn't you love it for God to drop several million on you? Wouldn't you? (laughs) How many wish you had a great uncle that didn't have any kids? We all wish that, but wouldn't it be great if god would just do some amazing things like that we want these things and sometimes we even pray for them i heard about a guy one time that kept praying for years saying god help me win the lottery help me win the lottery and one day he got quiet and god said do me a favor buy a ticket you know we, we get consumed with what we want we don't think about the whole process and i'm not encouraged in you oh yeah you know what let me. T- I've got a better alternative. Instead of putting that $5 in the lottery and buying five tickets, put five in the offering today and see what God will do for you, okay? But while I'm on the topic, while I'm here, spiritual comes first, and the natural follows. I think sometimes we're praying, God, I want this, I want this, I want this. And God says, you know what? I, I need to do this first. Sometimes we need to stop and say, God, this is what I desire from you, but... You know what I need and I submit myself to you. When our hearts get right, God doesn't care what you have. What you have is no problem for God. It's when that thing has you, that's when it becomes a problem. And so this woman is so consumed with the natural water, she doesn't understand that she's talking to the source of spiritual water. Sometimes we do the same. Number three, look at verse 16. So Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband in that you spoke truly. The third thing that I think sometimes becomes an obstacle for Jesus to work through in our hearts is that we have hurt pain damage we have a path in life that's been established by our life choices and we tend to carry the hurt and the pain and blame it on god i blame god for where i am instead of taking responsibility for the choices that i have made in life now I want to dive into this for just a moment because I think sometimes there's some misconceptions about this. Notice Jesus' instructions. Go get your husband and bring him back here. Her husband's presence really seems to be irrelevant to the story. I mean, if Jesus wanted to touch her life and change her life and bring peace to her and give her living water, why did he need the husband there? But Jesus, I believe, needed to clear some other obstacles from her heart and sometimes jesus has a big job on his hands trying to clear some obstacles out of our hearts see maybe just maybe jesus was just opening the door for a word of knowledge which he gave in 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 the conversation Maybe Jesus was just asking that question or telling her, go get your husband, bring him here, so it would open the door with her response for him to give a word of knowledge and make her realize, I need to listen to this guy. He's different. That could have been it. But maybe... Maybe part of it was Jesus was just addressing the customs of the day you know ma'am we've had this much conversation we need to have more conversation but I'd be more comfortable if you go get your husband because it's really not good in our world to be sitting at this well just the two of us talking that may have been part of it but maybe maybe Jesus was exposing her drug for the pain Maybe men was what was dulling the hurt and the pain in her heart. And when that's the purpose of a relationship at some point in time, it's going to fall apart. But maybe, maybe Jesus was touching a nerve that was painful. She'd been married five times and now is living with the man. Did you ever stop to realize that maybe she'd had two or three husbands die in that process? wasn't uncommon in that, die, that day for men to die young. Maybe she started a family that had been splintered by death. Maybe there was an accident that took a whole family from her. Maybe something happened that so broke her heart that she kept running looking for something else to fill it and it just wasn't working. We don't know all of the circumstances. What we do know, there was stuff going on inside of her that was strong and had these walls built that became an obstacle for Jesus himself To touch her heart. Regardless of exactly what was going on. Jesus read her mail. Yeah, you got that right. You've been married five times and now you're with a guy you're not even completely committed to. When Jesus said that. Saying by the spirit, that word of knowledge, if you will. It opened the door and began to open her heart for Jesus' mission to be accomplished in her. You know, the pain of life can create obstacles in our heart that interfere with our healing. Did you know that? Scripture says Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. But sometimes we carry the pain and we get so consumed with the pain that we don't let the healer come in and touch us where he needs to touch us. Sometimes what I tell myself about what happened and the story that I hang on to, regardless if it's it's right or if it's wrong, sometimes just the attitude I carry towards what happened, sometimes that builds an obstacle for Jesus to work through to bring healing to me. Sometimes my anger and resentment towards people builds a wall that God can't work through. But not only that, sometimes the pain of our life choices can also interfere with our repentance and getting back in relationship with God. And we run off on a seat of rebellion and we run the wrong direction and we hide from God because of the pain that we carry. Through the years, I've I've learned something. I've preached this before. I'll preach it again here in the future. God can't heal what I won't let him touch. Until I open my heart, I can try a thousand different things and nothing is going to bring the healing that Jesus can bring to my heart and my life. So maybe today, just maybe, we need to... Go back and look at some life choices and some things that have happened even beyond our control. and Stop holding God hostage and let him finish the work he's trying to accomplish in us. And then one last thing. I'm almost finished. Look at verse number 19. So the woman said to Jesus, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. Notice these words. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers, the real worshipers, the God worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Fourth thing, religious philosophies, religious ideas can become an obstacle Between us and Jesus' mission in our lives. Jesus told this woman, you claim religion. But you aren't even aware of what you worship. Wow. You know, religion can be a wonderful thing. But religion can also be a very limiting bondage issue in our lives. Because sometimes religious ideas and philosophies can shut out God and we say, no, you can't do that now. You can't do that anymore. You can't do this. You can't do that because I've been told you can't do this. So I'm not going to expect that. And as a result, we hold God at arm's length and we don't let him finish what he started in our lives. Religious ideas will do that. I want to ask you a question today. This woman says, this mountain's where we worship. You say, we worship down there. You've got your God. We've got our, we got our ways. The argument begins, and what does Jesus do? Jesus points to what or who are you worshiping? What are you worshiping today? Who are you worshiping today? This woman was worshiping a religious order. She was probably worshiping the rules of her day, the ideas of her day within her community that says, this is what God wants, this is what you do, don't expect anything else. And there was no room for God to do anything fresh and new in her life. Ask yourself the question today, what am I worshiping? What is at the center of my life? What is at the center of my lifestyle? Can I tell you something? I'm not going to do this for everyone. I don't want to sit down and do this, but you need to do it yourself. Three things you need to look at. Number one, look at where you're spending your time. That's a clue to who and what you're worshiping. Number two, look at where you're spending your money. That's a clue to who and what you're worshiping. Third thing, look at your relationships. Look at the lifestyle. It will tell you who and what you're worshiping. I want you also to ask yourself the question today, what teaching, what religious philosophy has become an obstacle to Jesus in my life? You know, Scripture talks about sound doctrine, healthy doctrine. Paul talked about it a lot. Let me give you four things you need to know about good teaching healthy scriptural teaching number one When you hear somebody give teaching and you wonder if it's right First question is is it scriptural? Can you go back and see it running through scripture and it makes sense from cover to cover in the Bible? Look at it. Is it scriptural if it is embrace it if it's not set it aside Because it might very well just be philosophy about scripture number two does it build my faith does it cause me to believe god more or believe god less if it interferes with you believing god more it's probably a philosophy of man number three is it applicable can i apply it to my life will it help me become more like jesus if the answer is no you need to discard it and move away from it it's philosophy the last one, number four. Does it bring me closer to God, or does it come between me and God? I'll tell you something. There have always been, from the beginning of time, there have always been philosophies about God that don't line up with the Word of God. Test what you believe with Scripture, because what is God seeking? Jesus said, God is seeking people who worship Him in spirit. And in truth, we grab the truth of God's word and we run to him to honor him and believe him to fulfill his word in our lives. Final thought, you know, Jesus addressed every barrier of interference in this woman's life just to touch one hurting woman. He set aside an entire day and as it turned out two or three days to go to this village opened the door in this woman's life and as a result that woman took Jesus to her entire community that's what you do when Jesus finishes his work in you, you can't help but share it with others I want to pray for you today, bow your heads if you would Father I pray for everyone sitting in this room right now that what we've shared today would open up our hearts and draw us closer to you Father, I ask that you would overcome obstacles that maybe we have built over time in our own hearts. Overcome those obstacles. God, I pray that for me and for every person in this room, if there are ideas, if there are things that have taken root that don't belong there, show them to me so I can move them out of my life and let you finish your mission in me. God, I pray if there's one person here today who doesn't know you who's never surrendered their heart to you right now you would knock on the door of their heart and give them an opportunity to embrace you open their life to you while heads are still bowed for one more moment maybe you're here today maybe you're watching online maybe God's knocking on your heart maybe you've never really opened your heart to God but you realize now I need Jesus there's something missing I need to drink of that water so that I never have this spiritual thirst again. Jesus is the source of that water. He'll bring it to you today. He will give it to you if you'll open your heart. And it all begins with words. We call it prayer, but it's just words of communication, us talking to God. I want to lead you into prayer, and I'm going to ask everyone in this room, if you're watching or listening online, I ask you and I encourage you to pray this prayer with us. You don't need to yell the words, but you can speak them right out loud. It'll help those around you. But please, wrap your heart around these words. Open your heart to God. Let's pray this together. Say, God, I need you. I open my heart to you. I give you all my life. Please step in. Become God of my life. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus. To become the Lord of my life, I will learn your ways, and I will follow you, and I'll welcome your help every day. From this moment forward, you are my father, I am your child. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, it's the most important prayer you can ever pray, pray in your entire life. But it's not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning. So here's what I want to tell you. When service is over, we've got a gift we'd like to give you. It's called The Next Seven Days. It's a simple tool to help you get started walking with God. We want to give it to you. At the conclusion of service, we'll have prayer teams on each side of the building down front. If you'd walk up to one of these teams and say, Can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there, no strings attached. If you're in a really big rush, as you exit the glass doors in the lobby, right in the middle of those doors, there's a counter set up there. You can get the same booklet there. It's our free gift to you, no strings attached. We want to give it to you today and help you get started walking with God. Today, we welcome you to God's family. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers today? God bless you.
1: Can we thank Pastor Gary for that great message today? This is the time in our service when we worship god with our giving and you can see on the screens the different ways in which you can give and you know one thing we heard in the message today is that what we do with our finances reveals what we worship that's a pretty powerful statement and as we prepare to give today I want to encourage all of us to really give that some thought and to allow our giving to be an expression of our love and our worship to our God. And you know what the really amazing thing is that the Bible tells us that when we have hearts to worship God with our possessions, with what we have that that opens his heart to pour out blessings into our lives and I want to tell you every week here at the bridge we pray for you we as a church as your pastors we pray that as you generously give here at the bridge that God will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings in your lives and we trust him to do that and fulfill his word in your lives as you give today so thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. And before we conclude, before we leave today, We want to remind you about our Bridge Team Night tonight. We are so excited about this. It's our first team night we've had in quite a while, and uh, it's for everyone who serves here in any capacity at the Bridge. We've been talking about it the last several weeks. So for those of you who have registered and signed up, we can't wait to see you. We're going to have food. Pastor Gary's going to be opening his heart and sharing with you. It's going to be a great night. We will see you here at five o'clock tonight. Have a great afternoon.